Thank you for tuning in to another episode of an Open Water Swimmers podcast. You may or may not know that I am endeavouring on my own set of ultramarathon swims this year and next. Clearly, compared to some of my incredible guests over these seasons, these events are relatively piddly. But nonetheless, I'm booked to swim the 65 kilometres around Jersey in September of 2023. And then I have my own English Channel solo attempt in August of 2024. I'm raising money for a charity called Amaze, who help families who have children with disabilities. They're based in Sussex. So if you're enjoying this podcast, please do head to my Just Giving page, which you can find on the blurb of the pod. Or also, if you go to my Instagram handle, OWSwimPod, it's there for you to find. Please donate anything at all. All donations are welcome, no matter how big or small. You can think of it, if you like, as just buying me a coffee. If you want to hear more about my story and why I am raising money for a maze, then check out Intrepid Water and fellow swim podcaster Shannon Keegan and her interview with me back in May of 2022. Thank you. Enjoy the show. Hi guys, I'm Andy Ronaldson and you're listening to an Open Water Swimmers podcast. It's episode 11 of an Open Water Swimmers podcast with me, Will Ellis. Thank you for listening. And thank you again to all those people who have donated to my Just Giving page for the charity Amaze, which of course I'm swimming around Jersey and the English Channel, hopefully next year. It really means the world. If you're enjoying the podcast, think of it as buying me a cup of tea, a couple of quid. Thank you so much if you have, and please do if you haven't already. Don't forget to leave me a rating wherever you may get your podcasts from. And of course, follow the social media channels on Twitter and Instagram, which are both at OWSwimPod being the handle on them. Today's guest is one of the nicest guys you're ever likely to come across in the world of marathon swimming. He's a former top elite swimmer who ended up taking a little time away from the sport entirely. When he returned, he decided to embark on his marathon swimming journey. He won the famous 25-kilometer Rottnest swim in Australia and then decided that he would aim to complete the famous Ocean 7 swims in one calendar year. For those who might not know, the Ocean 7 is a set of seven ultramarathon swims across the world, which are the English Channel, the North Channel, Gibraltar Strait, Catalina Channel, Molokai Channel, Cook Strait, Tsuguru Strait, I hope I said that right, and they vary from 44 kilometers to 16 kilometers in distance, and only really a handful of people have completed all seven. He broke the British record with his English Channel swim last year in eight hours, and very recently broke the world record for the 26-kilometer Cook Strait in a staggering four hours and 33 minutes. It was my pleasure, and I was thrilled to welcome to the podcast, Andy Donaldson. It's an absolute pleasure to welcome to the podcast, Andy Donaldson, fresh from his world record-breaking swim in New Zealand. Thank you so much for taking the time out of your, out of your evening in Australia. Is that right? Yeah, that's right. Well, and uh, yeah, just got back to Australia yesterday. Uh, a little bit jet lagged, but uh, no, good to be back. And uh, thank you for having me on here to have a chat. It's my absolute pleasure. So let's just jump straight in. Andy, why do you swim? Obviously, not everyone starts <laughs> in the open water. So this being an open water swimmers podcast. So it might be, why did you take up swimming? Why do you now continue to swim? And what is it about the open water that keeps you coming back for more? Oh, well, it's a, it's a great question. Um, I started swimming really following my older sister and older cousin into the sport. Uh, I grew up in the west coast of Scotland. They had joined uh, competitive swimming clubs and just, I, I think, through a natural process of being brought enough, uh, brought along to enough 
uh, swim meets over the weekend, I found myself falling into the sport. Uh, but yeah, I mean, the, the simple answer really is um, oh, I just, I really loved it. Um, swimming's a great sport, you know, physically, uh, but also there was great opportunities to meet people. Um, most of my closest friends were met through the sport. And, you know, I think you can just really develop a, a strong bond with people that you train with, uh, people that are on journeys towards certain goals and, and you're part of those journeys too. I think it's really the, the people aspect of the sport is a real big one for me and being able to meet like-minded people and have access to community is a real big one. It's interesting. Like you're not the only person that's, that's obviously brought up the people because the people are obviously hugely important. But when an outsider looking at a broad spectrum of sports looks at swimming, it's such an isolating sport, quite a, you know, open water swimming, especially, you know, marathon swimming, ultramarathon swimming is a very selfish and very expensive sport. But when we go back to like pool swimming, when we talk about the communities of people we, we swim with, you know, you've got your head in the water, you can only talk to people, you know, when you've essentially stopped swimming. So the people that we meet along our, our swim journeys really have got very little to do with the actual act of swimming itself, because that's such a personal journey for everyone. Is that something that resonates with you? I, I'd say so. Well, um, you know, obviously in the water, you're not having a chat. It's it's not like um, running where you're in a group or cycling in a peloton and you can sort of shout across to the other person. Um, you're in, in the elements and, you know, you, it is different. But I think with that, it brings different benefits as well. Like you're in alone with your own thoughts. You've not got music blaring or, or pumping and um you know in, in today's world where everything's always go 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 and you're always connected it's it's a great opportunity to get away from all of that mm, nice answer so then i know you had a hiatus from swimming you talked about coming out of retirement and then you decided decided that open water swimming was where you were going to sort of plant your plant your mast and wow you really have planted it how did that how did that come about? Like, why, what was it that made you think, you know what, this open water, this open water thing, I'm going to give that a crack? Uh, well, I'd, I'd had a bit of a dabble in open water after moving to Australia. Um, a lot of the guys I was training with, so I was a pool swimmer back, oh, this would have been back in 2013 when I moved out from, from the UK. Uh, I was a pool swimmer back then, but a lot of the guys I was training with, um, they were really, you know, at the, the pointy end of the sport in open water. Uh, guys like Simon Hutenga and Heidi Gann, who both represented like their countries on the international stage. So I found myself, you know, surrounded by these guys, inspired by what they were doing. And, uh, you know, the lifestyle here in Australia, so I'm, I'm based in Western Australia in Perth. Uh, water is such a big part of, of, um, of, the day-to-day -day life, I suppose, and it's it's almost ingrained into the community. Uh, you know, weekends were spent down the beach, and just by as a byproduct, I found myself you know swimming in the ocean a bit more. They have a great open water series here run by Swimming WA, and uh, before I knew it, I, I found myself um, encouraged to give it a try, and and found myself racing on weekends, just having fun. Uh, so I, before the hiatus, I, I did have some experience in open water. Um, and then, yeah, I, I, I had that couple of years out, out of swimming and 
um, away from the sport, which um, I suppose was needed uh, because I think when you don't have something, that's really when you realise how important it is. When that, uh, you know, it's, um, yeah, you you just don't have, um, you don't realise what you have until that it's gone. you don't have it. Yeah, yeah. I can't word it any better than that. <laughs> so what was that like? Like, do you mind me asking what brought on the hiatus? And then, of course, what brought you back? Well, I suppose throughout my swimming career, I mean, it, I started off and, you know, I think like everyone, you, you don't you don't start a sport as a kid with the intention of, you know, an Olympics or any of these kind of um, high goals. You do it because you enjoy it. and. You know, your friends are there. And I think as I got older, um, you know, the, the more serious it became and I, I started to forget why I was doing it and I started to not enjoy it. You know, you'd have coaches setting these targets for you and, you know, if you if you didn't make them, it, it was, it was quite, it was quite cutthroat and it was very black and white. Or well, that's how I saw it. And, um, you know, I, I didn't quite reach the goals that I'd set in the sport. I, I was, uh, you know, hoping to to try race on the international stage first as a pool swimmer, and then as I got into open water, um, wanted to wanted to try explore options there. But it seemed like racing for GB wasn't going to be in. I know I don't think there was going to be opportunities there, and, and same for Australia. So I just got to this stage where I thought, you know. I've been in this sport for however many years. I'm, I'm 25 years old. Um, maybe it's time I start putting my efforts in and focus elsewhere and start really trying to uh, make something of my career. Um, I was an accountant back at the back at the time, so that had always been play, uh, playing second fiddle. You know, I'd gotten to this stage where you know you, you'd given it as much as you could, and you know it's it's hard to maintain. And juggle all these balls, um, and earn a decent living as as a swimmer, unless you're really at the top end. So I, I'd got to that stage where I was pretty burnt out and and quite unsatisfied with things. But I, I just wanted to put the sport behind me. Mm. And then t- tell me about how how you came back to it. Then what was obviously the sea was calling you, the water was calling you to you know to make it slightly poetic. I don't know, but what was that like? <laughs> Yeah, it's it, it was quite a coincidence to be honest. Uh, well, so I I'd um I'd quit the sport in 2016. Um, you know, having unfulfilled um the the goals that I'd set out for myself and really threw myself into my work for for a number of years and actually got burnt out from that as well. So <laughs> you know i think and that, that i think that happens you know when you when you leave a sport where you know you might be tw- training 20 t- 20 hours a week um you've got to fill the void somehow and that, i just you know work was that thing for me so I would, i'd work all day and then i'd spend another three or four hours studying every night for my chartered accounting qualifications and all these other things i was doing for for my job so um I decided to take a year out to go travel and just clear my head and figure out what I wanted to be doing. And uh, that was 2019. So March 20, fast forward to March 2020, um, the world got thrown into 
um, into chaos with the coronavirus pandemic. I was in Central America at the time working as a volcano tour guide in Nicaragua. Wow. Uh, which is <laughs> of all things. And um, I managed to scramble my way back to, to Perth, Western Australia, which um, was very fortunate. And, you know, on my first day, so I had to go into quarantine uh, for two weeks. On my first day out, um, I, I caught up with my sister. We, we went down to the beach. And by chance, I, I bumped into an old um, friend from swimming. It was um, it was a swimmer's dad, actually, a guy called Martin Smoothie. And uh, he just clocked me. He's like, I haven't seen you around the pool in a long time, Andy. Where have you been? And I was like, oh, I've you know, been away from the sport. I've been overseas. And he's like, yeah, you've got to come down. Let's go for a swim down the beach. And uh, and that was it. So we, we, we would go... Uh, during the mornings, during lockdown, we'd go for a swim uh, just along the coastline uh, here in WA. So it might have been about three kilometres from uh, Trigg Beach to Sorrento Beach. And uh, oh, it was just it was just spectacular. The, the mornings, the water was just like glass every day. Sun would be just coming up, so we'd, we'd time it for sunrise. And... Um, it was just this freeing aspect to being out in the water and, and reconnected with uh, this sport that was such a big part of my life. And, um, you know, a, a large part of who I am. So, you know, to be in there and just really reveling in those, in those moments, it was, it was really special. And, you know, I kept coming back. Martin kept encouraging me to to swim and, you know, it was, it was, it was just like something that had been missing for a number of years was just, um, you know, had slotted back in and I knew that uh, I needed to have this in my life again. Mm, wow. Gosh, there's so many things I want to ask you. You, uh, I mean, you strike me as a, as a high achiever uh, in terms of your <laughs> in terms of your, certainly your drive and your personality. I, I look at someone like you, as an athlete like you, who is in the sort of 0.0001% of the population in terms of their sporting ability. Yet when, when it comes down to it, it's black or white, whether you, whether you achieve the goal that has been set out or not. And that for, for, someone, for someone like you, of, of, of which there are obviously thousands of people, that represents you know that, that that's what it's all about yet an outsider looking in would look at would look at you know your achievement and think you know it's it, it's crazy you are insanely fit fast but it's black or white isn't it do you do you ever are you ever kind to yourself in that respect to think you know i've achieved actually more than more than 99.9% of of, of of people would achieve in the sport this is pre prior to any of your marathon swimming at, at that sort of moment before when when you were when you decided to leave the sport, I suppose, was there ever a, a moment where you were kind to yourself and thought, actually, you know, I've, I've done pretty well. Uh, you know, that's a, a really great way to put it. Well, um, I think at the time I, I, you know, I think it'd been fed to me so much through my career that this is what success is. And if you don't reach that, you know, you haven't achieved in this sport and, you know, it's, it's not healthy that I, I think 
there's so many other things that people can work towards and, and set as goals. It's not black and white. And I, I didn't understand that at the time. And so I, I crashed out in 2016 feeling like a failure and that I haven't, hadn't achieved the, the dreams that I'd set out. And only in recent years, I've, I've kind of reflected, had a bit more time to, well, I suppose, I've grown up a bit more and 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 learned that it's okay to to not achieve goals and you know there's there's other things that are important in life as well and mm. you know you can always reset the the beauty of goals is that they're personal it's not what other people are doing um, comparisons the thief of mm. thief of joy isn't it so you know in my latter years especially with all this marathon swimming now, you know, I, I've, I've set my own goals and set out to, to, to go um, try achieve them. And I think I've come, I think it's not about whether they're, you know, whether you make it or not. And, and I don't think whether you achieve what you set out to do, I don't think it matters as much as long as you give it your best. Uh, yeah, and because you you know there's probably a lot of things out of your your control along the way, and as long as you got the things in your control right, then I think that's what matters. And nine times out of ten, the the journey is more important than the end result, anyway. I agree. Uh, the whole experience and and the people that were on it. So yeah, I, I it's it's taken a number of years to to get to that point and to to come to that realization. But yeah, whatever I. I set out to do these days, as long as I've given it my best go, I, I can't ask for it anymore and I'm always content. Yeah, it's. I mean, I think as we get older, we we redefine what success means. And I think as a professional athlete or as, a, as an athlete of your standard growing up, that's how we define success because that becomes a great motivator. But if you, I mean, if you, if you look back on, I, I, my question actually is, if you look back on your career as a pool swimmer, do you, do you feel pride in, in how successful you were, or does that still linger over the top of you? I think I am. I am really proud of, of what I did as a swimmer, mm. um, as a pool swimmer. I mean, you I, should I be, but you were so fast. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, I think at the time, I when you're surrounded by people going to the Olympics and whatnot, it's it's easy to compare. But mm. you know, you've always it's. it's Again, coming back to that before, you know, it's, I gave it everything I could and yeah. I, I couldn't have asked for it anymore. So, you know, I am proud of that. And ultimately, it's not the results that I remember most. It's the experiences. Like my favorite, I mean, I, I was very fortunate enough to win, you know, medals at national level, national age group level. My favorite experience was coming fourth in a relay team with my best friends. So nice. <laughs> it's, it's it's funny how it works. Um, yeah. You know, nothing will actually top that. That's <laughs> nice. Yeah, it's and and it comes back to that people aspect of sport and why you do it. And for me, that 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 was a a real milestone in, in my swim career, getting to swim with um, two of my very best friends in a in a four by one medley. <laughs> That's lovely. Oh, I, I can. That's made my heart skip a beat. I, I, there's, there's some. There's nothing quite like a relay. So, what was it then? If we chart slightly back to your 
you swim in these beautiful 3K mornings in this sort of idyllic uh, Western Australia beaches. What was it then that made you decide, right, do you know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have a go at this, this Ocean 7 thing. Uh, you know, I might start with the English Channel or, you know, I don't know which one you started with, to be honest. But what was it then that made you go, do you know what? That's what I'm. That that's that's my goal. And I'm going to give that a crack. So there's there, there was a few things that that happened. So I was uh, unemployed at that time. Um, we were going for swims along along the coast, and together with Martin, we we were just enjoying it so much that we thought this is something that should be accessible to everyone. This sport, open water swimming, going for these, um, you know morning dips along the coast um, and you know we, we got quite excited to, and and set up uh, a little group to encourage adults into the sport of swimming so uh, we set up swim clan so nice scottish name mm. and uh, the idea was to you know encourage adults into the sport of swimming to pursue um you know goals that they might have and thought were too difficult or might have you know goals that they might have swept under the rug and we were we were of the opinion that covid was a big resetter and that people were starting to set up and realize what's important in life and that work's not everything and and we thought that people might want to you know revisit some of these things whether you know whether that was to you know, sw- swim in an open water race or to do a triathlon or just to be comfortable in the water so that any time that some person is down at the beach with their family, they're not, you know, their heart's not racing every time that they're in the in the sea. So we set that up and we were encouraging a lot of people into, into swimming. And through this process, I was getting quite fit myself. And uh, Martin sat me down one day and he said, well, look, it's great that we're doing this for everyone else, but maybe it's time that you revisit some of your own swimming goals. Um, and I, you know, I thought, well, he's, he's kind of got a point here. It's uh, <laughs> right now it's kind of do as I say, not as I do. So um, I sat down and had a think and thought, well, one of my, one of my dreams since living here in Western Australia uh, was to try and win the Rockness Channel Swim. So Rottnest is an island about 20 kilometers off the coast of, of Perth. And every year, you know, hundreds of hundreds and thousands of swimmers make the crossing uh, from Cotswold Beach over to Rottnest. It's on every February. Absolutely amazing event. The whole city really gets around it. And uh, I thought, you know, I'd love to have a crack at that and, and see if I could win it. So... Uh, this would have been maybe about June 2020, uh, and Rotten is in February 2021. So it gave sort of nine months to to get ready for it. So I got in touch with an old swimming coach of mine, a guy called Owen Carroll, out of Perth City Swimming Club. Uh, told him this idea that I had, <laughs> and he, to his credit, he didn't he didn't um, sort of shoot it down, but he just said, "Look, it's." We can make this happen, but it's gonna be hard work. Um, and he also he also challenged me. So he, he said, "Look, I think we could do this, but you got to make sure that this is what you want. Uh, it's gonna require 100% buy-in, 
And if you go through this process and finish and you feel like you've wasted your summer or you know it's it's not been an enjoyable experience, then I don't think you should do it. Uh so you know, after after these chats and after thinking that through, I thought, you know what, I'll I'll give this a crack. And so we got back to work and I got back into into training for the first time in about oh gosh, four four years. <laughs> and it was it was it was quite uh quite brutal to begin with. Um he was he wasn't kidding. Uh, but we we didn't just you know go hell for leather from the start. Um, one of the approaches that we had, we we wanted to really focus on getting this, this the technique right and and focus on quality work. Um, entered that year into the the Rottnest Channel Swim, were a few guys who were on the Australian Dolphins team, uh, and so was coming in as a massive underdog, this kind of washed up swimmer, and. Our idea was, you know, we wouldn't be able to out-train them. These guys have been, you know, training non-stop for the last number of years. They're they're racing for Australia uh, on the international stage, but maybe we could be smarter than them and and train in a way that's very specific to channel swimming and into ultra marathons. And so that's what we did. You know, we were focused on trying to hold these very fast times and make them you know, really comfortable. So making 110 pace over 100 meters um, in a long course pool, just, you know, bread and butter stuff and making that really comfortable so that in a, in, on the day, I could come out of the blocks and hold that pace and it, it would be really comfortable. So uh, fast forward to, to February and um, that that's pretty much what happened. So came flying out of the blocks this really comfortable 110 pace. Um, it wasn't the nicest of days, but um, ended up, you know, leading from the start and uh, was just four minutes off the record in the end. Um, I had developed this gap of about six or 700 meters and beating these guys who were racing on the Australian team. And, you know, it was, it was just really surreal. Um, and so, and a long way to answer your question, doing that, you know, it was, it was such an incredible process and there were a lot of people contributing to the success of that swim that, and who were there every step of the journey. Um, but one of the major things that we'd done was um, we'd partnered with a local mental health charity called the Kai Erdley Foundation um, and raised about 15,000 Australian dollars for them in the process. And, you know, it, it was just the most incredible day. And I thought, well, I'm still in really good shape. I, I've just beaten some guys who, you know, are racing for our, our national team. Uh, one of the guys went on and he raced at world championships and came, I think, fourth or fifth in the 25K the year after. So, wow. like, guys that are really at the top end of the sport. And I thought, well, maybe I've still got a bit more in the tank. Maybe, Maybe I ought to to do a bit more and, and there's there's some unfinished business here and uh, having raised that amount of money for charity, I thought, well, maybe there's an opportunity here to, to use swimming as a vehicle for good. 
and to raise even more money for a worthwhile cause. And so that was real, the real genesis for the Ocean Sevens and, and what we've been doing over the last few months. God, what a lovely answer. So what are your earliest memories then of swimming in the open water? Like, I understand where you are now and how you came back to the open water. But was, did anything resonate as a child in the open water? I know you you competed a little bit, but if we go back even further, was there anything that sort of drew you, drew you in from an early age? I actually have some really fond memories of swimming in the sea as a kid. Um, when when we were growing up, um, my my grandfather had an apartment over in Mallorca, and the whole family would go across. So um, my family, which is like mum, dad, and my sister. And then my cousin's family, so him um, and an uncle and granny and grandpa. So we'd all fit into this apartment over in Mallorca and it was right on the waterfront. And my earliest memories of swimming in open water swimming, because I actually learned to swim there as well. There was a there was a pool. So it's quite a special place for me. But um my earliest memories were all of the family. Every morning they would they would wake up and as a family swim out to this can out in the sea. Um, you know, as a as a sort of six-year-old, it, it looked like it was miles away, but I'm pretty sure it wasn't. <laughs> but they, my family, they would they would all jump into the sea and, and swim out to this can and and round it and back. And I remember always wanting to be able to join them. It just looked so incredible and so idyllic and you know being out there in the ocean amongst the elements it was it was just there was some real draw to the water and you know i haven't been back to mallorca since the 90s but i'd love to go and see it and and just you know be immersed in it and really think back to to those earlier days because that must have been the um, the instigator for it all or, or the source for, mm. for the draw to the water. Mm. You could swim around it. Oh, I mean, yeah. I don't know. I mean, I, I don't know where I can find it. <laughs> I haven't been well, I looked up, I, I, kid, so. Out of curiosity, I've looked up swimming around Ibiza, which is a lot smaller than Mallorca. And I reckon it's about a hundred, you know, doing a Google map drawing I, oh, about, oh you're talking about swimming around mallorca yeah 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 yeah. As we get, <laughs> and i looked it up and i i reckon it's about 115 kilometer swim so that's a you know that's a good that's a good 30 30 hour swim and and some you know on a on a on a, on a good on a good day and mallorca is obviously a lot bigger so it, would, it may have to be a stage swim but someone of your speed and, and tenacity i'm just throwing i'm just i'm just throwing out you throw, know. Throw, throwing out there i mean yeah. it, 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 it could be a gore. Um, a <laughs> little, little bit warmer than the most recent swims I've done, so that's it's a bit more uh, inviting and appealing. <laughs> yeah. I suppose it would be warmer than the previous swims you've done. So to talk to me about those. Your, the, your, how far through the Ocean 7 are you, and which one did you start with? Uh, so I'm, I'm on, my, uh, on my fourth of the Ocean 7s now, so... Uh, I started off with the English Channel back in August, August of 2022, uh, followed by the North Channel in September. And last week was the Cook Strait. So this is March 2023. 
Wow. So, um, so how was, so first and foremost, when you're embarking on this amazing journey, how was, how was the English Channel? My English Channel back in August was uh, with Stuart Gleeson, uh, so Sea Leopard. Nice. And yeah, it was, it was just, it was such a surreal thing to do. I mean, growing up, having growing up as a swimmer in the UK, uh, you know, everyone knows about the English Channel. Um, and it was always one of those things that was you know, like a, a lifelong dream to do. I never actually thought I would actually one day do it or, or have an attempt of it. It was always just some far-flung, uh, far-fetched idea or, or um, goal. But uh, yeah, to be actually in Dover, um, getting ready for the swim, seeing the White Cliffs for the first time and uh, going down to the harbour where got all these people coming from all over the world, uh, all the corners of the world, you know, Indian guys from India, people from Brazil, the US, Australia, Turkey. Um, it was, it was just incredible. And they're all here for the same thing, uh, all waiting for their opportunity to get out onto the, onto the channel. Um, you know, it's, it's, it's just something else. And I'd never experienced anything like it. So it was, it was really special. And so, yeah, we were we were going across with Stuart Gleeson. Tim Denyer from Red Top Swimming was uh, helping out on the boat. And, and we had some really fantastic chats before the swim. Um, one of the things he said, uh, was actually, it just really resonated and stuck with me was, um, he, he just reminded me, like, what you're about to do here, uh, remember it's a privilege. Like, not everyone gets to do this. Uh, so really just take this opportunity to enjoy the moment, enjoy the process, because it's one of those things that's going to sit with you for life. And I remember getting out there and just being really fired up and, and buoyed by that and um, just excited to, to experience it all. And how was it? How was the swim itself? The swim was good. So we started on Shakespeare Beach, which is quite an iconic place um, when it comes to, to swimming the channel. Um, we'd got a beautiful morning starting at, I think, 7 a.m., so nice civilized hours. And yeah, it was just this gorgeous day. The water was dead calm. You know, we, we just got to work. Um, similar. I love Similar it. principle. <laughs> yeah. I love it. I like. I just. I just like the way you say. Yeah, we just. We just got to work. That's. That's such a. That's such a pragmatic approach. <laughs> and I, it's brilliant. It's wonderful. Well, that that's it. I mean, when the way I've always seen it, especially with with the channel swimming, planning and preparation is is the biggest part. You know, we we'd come into swims like the Rottenest Channel Swim or swims like the Derwent swim over in Tasmania, which I did just before the English Channel, came into them with real solid plans of how we plan, uh, wanted to execute them. Uh, we'd done, obviously, the training uh, at the pool and really just done our homework on all of these swims so that everything was accounted for, all of these scenarios that might pop up. We knew how to react to them. And so it just meant that on the day, you're not worrying about all these what if scenarios you you have your your plan it's adaptable and on the day it's everything's you know laid out and organized already and you can just turn up and and 
you can just focus on executing. Uh, so that's when I say get to work. That's that's what it was. We we started the swim and we knew what we planned to do, like the back, uh, like it was on the back of our hands, and um, got got to work. <laughs> <laughs> and you went. I mean, it was so fast. British record, eight hours. Uh, you know, must, must yeah. have gone gone by in a flash. Um, yeah, it was. Um, well, we we we. Sort of set set out with this uh, this goal of going as like you know trying to go as fast as we could, but ultimately with with all these channels, you know, it's anything can happen out there, and so we we just wanted to make the most of whatever was given to us, and unfortunately that day we had quite a nice day, so um, yeah, we were able to get across in, in eight hours, which um, yeah was 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 a British record and a result we were all really delighted with yeah gosh i mean that's that's so fast i mean and were you on a spring or a neap we were on a neap so it was right towards the end of the week um of the of the tide window sorry so the the currents and the tides were probably a bit less strong which was good and it allowed us to take quite a really straight path my dad and i were wondering like we'd we'd sat down after the fact and, and wondered if we'd gone in more of a banana uh, curve, whether we would have got a better line coming into, into France. But as it happened, you know, we, we'd gone straight tack from, from Dover over to Cap Grenet and um, towards the French sides, the, the tides picked up and actually swept us past. It added on an extra three K. So, I mean, there's sort of, 30 to 40 minutes right yeah. there it's it's all oh, that's amazing crazy. i didn't really that's amazing i had no idea that you missed you missed cap green air and you did it in eight hours <laughs> yeah yeah so i mean we hindsight's 2020 um i think with the with the english channel and in many of these these swims you know everything really has to line up perfectly to, yeah. to have a crack at records and you know for me Obviously, you want to go as quick as possible, but you've first got to complete the thing. Yeah. So, you know, that's always the first goal to to make sure that you get across safely. And anything above that is is really a bonus. That's that's how I see it. That's amazingly fast. So then let's let's compare. Then I know we talked about comparison being the you know being the. <laughs> I've got the thief of joy. That's the thief of joy. Thank you. Um, I'm, I'm only asking, then you went to everyone's least favorite swim, uh, <laughs> favorite, the, the North channel, which is arguably the hardest, uh, the hardest swim on the, on the ocean seven calendar, certainly in terms of its, uh, temperature and jellyfish. How did that compare for you? Uh, that was, that was a real, um, valuable experience. It was a real learning curve for me. Um, you know, I'd, I'd come off the back of the English Channel, um, you know, with one of the fastest times of, I think, the last decade. So since mm. since Trent's since Trent's record, I think it is the quickest time. Yeah. So I was really buoyed up, and and probably, um, what went down in in the North Channel was probably the best thing that that happened to me, and I really had a tough time out there. You know, I, I think I'd come in underestimating the swim altogether and underestimating the cold and just how much it was going to impact my body and, and how devastating it would be to, uh, to my speed. 
Mm. Uh, so we'd, we'd started off and again, it was, it was quite nice conditions. I mean, it was, well, actually fast, um, rewind two days before the swimming, it was like howling gales and <laughs> the ships were all in, in the bay over at, um, at uh, Belfast. And I'm just thinking, how are we supposed to swim? Like, <laughs> but right, right enough. It all died down, and it was. It was like glass, and uh, we were out on one of, I think, the very last day of the season, uh, something like the 17th of September, and the water temperature was was quite favourable. It was 14, 15 degrees. Um, set off, and, you know, usually my stroke rate's around 60 strokes per minute, and I'm holding a pace of, uh, sort of just under 5k an hour perhaps but out there it was it was a real struggle and um i just couldn't get get the arms over um i couldn't get the stroke rate up and you know after about three hours everything was just starting to plummet and the arms were getting heavy i was feeling weak and Basically, I think the, the body was starting to shut down. So, um, you know, I was trying everything on my own to, to get through this you know, positive self-talk, breathing, really focusing on my breathing, all these tricks and tools that were in the arsenal that I'd used before to get out of hairy situations and none of it was working. The guys were, you know, showing on a scoreboard, uh, on a whiteboard, sorry, my stroke rates and they were coming down to you know, 54, 53, 52, uh, just really declining. Uh, and so I just thought, you know, I'm in a position where I don't even know how I'm going to go, keep going for another, till the next feed, I'm, I'm so cold. I'm, I'm really finding this tough. And so I, you know, I'd run out of options and I thought, well, I, I need to shout up to the guys. I, I need help. So, um, you know, between breaths, you know, swimming along, um, Jay Prashal and uh, Jer Kennedy were on the boat, fantastic guys. And I shouted up to them, I was like, oh, arms are heavy, feeling, feeling a bit weak, uh, but energy's good. <laughs> <laughs> and, and right enough, yeah, like I just everything felt like lead, but. I still felt like I had loads of energy, but I just, I couldn't move. So uh, they just started to laugh and, um, but they, they, they put down the whiteboard and, you know, all it said was, it was something like, you know, message received, warm feet on the way. And within an instant, I just felt so much relief. You know, these guys were there, they were on the boat. Um, with me every step of the way, every stroke of the way. And it was a big reminder that I'm I'm not here on my own. I, I don't have to, I'm I'm not doing this on my own. This is a team effort. You know, it's it's yes, there's one swimmer in the water, but everyone's there helping you to to get across to the other side. And so as a team, we made changes. We we upped the the ratio of hot water in the feeds. Uh, we made them more frequent, bringing them down from every 20 minutes to every 15. And um, sure enough, you know, the the speed started picking back up again. 
And, you know, going from a position where I didn't know how I was going to survive the next 20 minutes, they managed to squeeze another six hours out of me. Wow. So, uh, which is just something else. So we were starting to get to the other side and, you know, I'd really dropped off at that point. So I think, you know, I, I, I mentioned before sort of 110s to 112 pace per 100 metres is something I would usually try to aim for. I think I'd drop back to about 150 per 100 metres. So it was a good drop off. But then after these changes, you know, it felt like a new lease of life had been um, injected into me and the pace just came firing back up to that 5k an hour. And um, I could see the guys on the boat and they were getting more, more and more animated because we we could actually have a crack at the record again. And, and it was back on the cards. So they were just doing everything they could to try squeeze every drop of energy out of me and every ounce of effort. And uh, even to, to the point of um, telling me that I was closer to the land than I actually was. So <laughs> a few sort of... A few porkies there. They were like, "Oh, you've only got two k's to go." And it's know, quite it's... a. It's quite a. It's it seems to be quite a <laughs> uh, a dominant tactic. I looked at one of your videos of your recent cook straight, and you said to the guys, "You said that last kilometer went on for quite some time, didn't it?" And the reply was, "Yeah, we told you a nice lie there, just to keep just to keep you yeah. going." <laughs> nice, nice chuckle. Well, it, it, you know, fool me once. <laughs> I seem to keep falling for it, you know, but uh, no, it, it works though. I mean, so uh, anyway, we, we got across to, to, to Scotland and, you know, it was, it was a time of 9.13, I think, 9.13.57. The record was 9.09, but touching on that land and, and climbing up onto the rocks, I was the happiest person on the planet. You know, I, I just, I was just an absolute shock that we just pulled this thing off that seemed almost impossible just six hours before. Hmm. And, you know, it was, it was just such a great lesson for me that, uh, well, the, the, for me, the, the, there's a lot of parallels between channel swimming and life. That's, that's how I see it, where, you know, you can go in with all these plans and all these good intentions and, and all the preparation in the world, but there will be inevitably these curveballs that come your way and these challenges. And, you know, they, they might derail you for a while, but there's always a way through them. And most of the time, having people around you and in your corner, it's, it's, that's what what makes it possible having these people to help you through the tough times. Um, I think it is. It's, it's like life in that aspect, mm. uh, in that regard. That you know you, you can't do it on your own. Mm. So it was. It was. It was a real beautiful way to to do that swim. And I think when there's adversity in something, uh, the it has a lot more meaning to it. It adds a lot more meaning to it, you know. If I'd just gone through and 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 glided through that North Channel and and broken a record or or set a really fast time, yeah, it would have been nice. But I wouldn't really have cherished the experience, or it wouldn't have taught me anything. Mm-hmm. And so, what happened was actually the best thing 
I could ever ever imagine for um, I could ever have imagined. So, yeah, that was that was probably one of the best experiences of my life. Fantastic, God, what that's what a story. So, I guess then, what does open water swimming mean to you now? Now that you've spoken so beautifully about that North Channel swim, and obviously you you're only days days away from having completed your world record breaking Cook Strait swim. And how has that then changed, I suppose? Let's say from that kid looking out at, at his family swimming around the island of Mallorca, or even even the young athlete competing in open water events. Can you track that journey? Well, I, I probably look across water and out to things in, at sea and think, oh, I could maybe swim there. <laughs> 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 yeah, it's, it's a really great thing that I haven't actually sat down to think about but yeah the, the the perspective has obviously changed over the years i mean as a kid growing up swimming was i don't think you really truly understood why you enjoyed it or you know it was it was the people perhaps um and that that's still there don't get me wrong but especially with these long swims when you experience you know challenges and you're able to come through them there's growth in that um and you know when when you achieve things that you set out to do you know the the benefits flow into other areas of life and so i think there's a yeah it's (laughs) it's it's just this um sorry go ahead i was gonna say well do you feel it's interesting you say that do you feel do you feel it's you it do you feel it's because of the swimming itself? It's it's made you more rounded in your life outside of swimming comparatively to when earlier, let's say. I think just as you grow older, you, your perspectives change. So you know, as a, as a kid growing up, everything was very result focused. Whereas now, as a thirty two year old, it's it's it's, it's the experience it. The, the result doesn't really matter so much. Um, and it's, it's about the people that were on that journey with you. So how did you feel like comparatively post Cook Strait to say any of the other two, you know, the, any of the other two channels? Was there, a, was there a marked difference? Because in the Cook Strait, you broke the world record. In the English Channel, you broke uh, the British record. And the North Channel, you know, you talk about being your hardest swim. You overcame perhaps some of your own, you know, it was, it was your own adversity that, that, that you conquered, although you were you know, ridiculously fast and very, very close to the record. You know, they, they strike me as three swims with three very different outcomes, all of which, you know, are, have huge ramifications. You know, they're, they're, they're earth-shatteringly, uh, you know, fast times, but all with a slightly different result. Is there a, is there a difference in how you felt and... On, on coming out of either three or is it it's a sense of accomplishment kind of universal there's definitely a sense of accomplishment uh, i think and in each of them I, I i you know i left nothing on the field so all of them i i, I was just delighted with the efforts gone that had gone in what's what's different is probably the challenges in each um you know we talk about the the north channel and and getting really cold in the middle of that in the English Channel, perhaps the the tides and and just not really having experienced anything like um, these Ocean Seven swims before. 
uh, in the Cook Strait, the, the the challenge was the the preparation. Um, all of these other swims, you know, I I was pretty much fly in. We we knew more or less that in five days we'd be swimming, for example, and then you know execute a swim and 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 on to the next thing. Uh, with the Cook Strait, there was there was far more uncertainty on on whether I might actually get to have a go out there. Uh, I flew into to New Zealand, and you know the the weather. <laughs> we just got hit with <laughs> sort of a really eventful couple of weeks. You know, there was a, there was a cyclone Gabrielle that smashed the country. There were earthquakes in Wellington, severe weather warnings. The the inter islander ferries were breaking down in the Cook Strait. It was so rough out there, and you know, I ended up what was in my head, you know, maybe a week or two, it just blew out to an entire month. So the preparation aspect of things was was totally different. And, you know, there was all these challenges. Again, like we got to a stage where we thought, well, we might actually have to go on a spring tide, which um, for for anyone that's not familiar with the, the terms, the, the neat tides tend to be more favourable. There's tends to be in, in um, less water moving through a particular channel at a time. So the, the idea is the tides are less strong. Uh, whereas the spring tides, you know, the, there's a higher or a bigger tide differential. So there's more water passing through it. And with that, more complexity and more strength in the water. So we were we were even looking at spring tides to, to go out on those. And, you know, a lot of, a lot of people thought that that couldn't be done. Um, you know, people were people were telling me that it was impossible, physically impossible. Now, no matter how fast you were to to swim across the Cook Strait in a spring tide, and um, you know, we it got to this stage where we'd been out there for three weeks, and we would really we were uh, like together with the organisers, we were looking at just. Taking any any opportunity any opportunity that we could and so so it happened it was it was on a spring tide uh, swimming at midnight <laughs> that was the only you know the first semi decent window to have a crack at where where the wind was calm enough uh, and it just seemed mad so yeah it was it was this. In that one, the, the challenge was the preparation, like and trying to get ready for this swim after sort of sitting around for three weeks, having people tell you that it's impossible, getting over the fact that it's going to be at night time and arguably one of the sharkiest swims in the ocean sevens. And you know, another factor was that the water temperatures were probably similar to the North Channel, which is, you know, I'd I'd really struggled with those temperatures. So there was a lot playing on my mind. So again, coming through that adversity and pulling off this swim or putting together this really complete performance, um, it was like when we when we finished it, it was just absolute sheer delight. Uh, and it was just made even better because I'd gone to know, I mean, 
yes, some people might see waiting around for three weeks as something bad, but the flip side of that was that I got to know a lot of the local swimmers and, and developed some really lovely friendships there. And, uh, you know, just to give you an idea of how kind and welcoming the, the local swimmers were, like two of them actually came across to Picton. So Picton's on the South Island. Two of them flew across to be with me on the boat and, and help and support a, a guy that they just met, you know, two weeks prior. So, you know, to be able to share that experience with these guys, um, it was it was it was something really special. So, um, yeah, it's, it's it's all these different challenges that you overcome. I think that's what makes swims like the Ocean Sevens. You know, completing any of these channels is is an incredible achievement, mm-hmm. and I think that they're going to teach you lessons that flow into other other areas of life, and that you can bring with into challenges in the future. Is there an element in your head when someone says it can't be done? Is there, is there a part of you that thinks I'm going to prove you wrong? I say that both with regard to the fact that you mentioned about the spring tide, but I was going to ask you about, uh, I know one of your goals was to try and do the Ocean 7 in one year. Uh, and you would and that, it, that would be a world first in and of itself. Is there part of you that thinks that when someone throws adversity your way, it actually encourages you even further to overcome it. Uh, for me, it's it's an interesting one. I mean, I, I think everyone would say yes to an extent, but it's it's not something that I focus on. Like I try, I try my best not to let other people set my limits for me. I know the work that I've done in the pool, and you have the people around you. I, I think you have to. It's always good to listen to people, but it's up to you to accept, to choose whether you accept their opinions or their thoughts or beliefs. And so I think one of the most important things with this entire journey is surrounding yourself with people that that know you, uh, that you trust, and you trust their judgments as well. Like uh, you don't want to have everyone, you know, blowing blowing hot steam up your bum. Like up your ass and telling you you're the best thing. You need people that are going to be truthful with you, but also keep you humble and, and they're honest with you. Um, and that will yeah challenge you when you need to be challenged. Mm, that's lovely. So you mentioned that the Cook Strait's obviously one of the most sharky stretches of the Ocean Seven swims, but this isn't a leading question at all in that case. But open water swimming has always had a degree of fear factor for me, which is. Partly why it's, I think it's so addictive for some people. Not everyone shares this idea. But do you, is that something that resonates with you? Do you identify with, you know, the, the fear element? Um, and has something ever happened to you on, on a swim that's reinforced that? <laughs> that's an interesting question. I, I think that, I think that fear is quite a good motivator at times. Uh, I was certainly quite nervous before the Cook Strait, but... You know, I for me, I, I try to always focus on the things that are within my control. So, sea life is something that you just have absolutely zero say in. So, there's no point. I mean, you're human, so you you will worry about it at some point. But I think when you've got the boat there, you can climb out quite quickly. So, I, I tried to I. Didn't feel too worried because there was always a set of eyes on me. But um, 
one of the things so <laughs> before I embarked on the Ocean Sevens uh, swims, I tried to do the Australian Triple Crown swims as as a warm up. Just wanted to make sure that I actually enjoyed doing these ultra marathon swims, and you know they were a bit closer to home. And uh, <laughs> in one of the swims, it was uh, it's called the Palm Beach to Shelley Beach swim over in Sydney. And it's a 25k stretch from Palm Beach, which is the furthest north of the Sydney beaches, all the way down to Manly, uh, a little beach in beside Manly uh, called Shelley Beach. And uh, we're swimming along, must have been about 10k's. And what you do is you swim parallel to the coast. And uh, 10k in, the weather was already pretty bad, but it was just, it was getting terrible at this point and I think the wind had swung round so that it was blowing everyone out to sea and it gotten up to about 25 knots uh, in wind strength with gusts of 35 and so this this one was a race and everyone out there was just getting absolutely pounded <laughs> swimming into the into the wind the boat is just getting smashed water's careering over the sides i'm i'm looking up guys on the boat are getting getting drenched and i'm just thinking well surely they've got to pull the pin on this that this is just this is just like beyond a joke and uh, <laughs> all of a sudden the boat so it was me in the boat the boat just started taking off and started accelerating off into the distance. And I'm thinking, what the hell? <laughs> what are these guys doing? And, uh, you know, we're three kilometres off off Mona Vale Beach in Sydney. So we're, we're quite a bit out to sea. And, you know, it's, it's quite a sharky place itself, uh, just off the coast of Sydney. So these guys are like sort of careering off into the distance. I'm like, left out there on my own like what the heck's going on and then all of a sudden I saw them start to turn around and start to come back to me and then they started circling around and so I'm I'm just like I've I've got I've fought the worst and like I'm like oh my god there's a shark in the water <laughs> and so I threw my hands in the air and I was like what's going on what's going on and the skipper skipper shouts down Oh, it's all good, Andy. There's no sharks, but we're sinking. <laughs> and so what had happened, there was so much water coming over the sides uh, into the boat and the bilge pump had stopped working. So they were trying to lift up the front of the boat to get the water to the back. And uh, they were scooping it out by hand to try to get it out of the boat and, and you know, stop the water from getting into the battery because it was... It was really, really touch and go, really hairy. So, you know, I shouted up and I was like, well, what, what do you want me to do? And uh, Michael, phenomenal skipper, but this, I think this was his first ever skippering experience. He's like, oh, you you just keep going. We'll catch up with you. <laughs> oh, not, not, a, not a chance. <laughs> not a chance. Uh, and so I, I waited for them to, to scoop water out of the boat. So, Five minutes passed, 10 minutes passed, 15 minutes passed, 30 minutes of treading water, three kilometers offshore. And um, that's when they got the boat stuck, uh, working again. And 
Um, luckily enough, you know, I was still in the lead at this point and it was just, I suppose, Scottish rage that, that managed to keep me going and then pressed on to the to, to finish the swim. But yeah, that I mean, talking about a hairy situation like that would be probably probably the worst. But again, it's these it's these curveballs that get thrown at you, and you know, we we dealt with it as a team, mm. and it, it just reinforces things that you know, if I can handle this, and if we can get through that adversity, you know, we're we're pretty well equipped. Uh, for for whatever gets thrown our way, not just in these channel swims, but in in life. I love it. You said you said Scottish rage there that 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 sort of got you the line, having treaded water for thirty minutes. Do you have like a mantra when when times get tough that runs through your head? I have one that's always always remember that the water wants you, as in you know it, it, this is this this is this is home. This can be home if you if you frame it right. Mm. Um, do, you, do you do you does that? Does that resonate with you? Do you have like a a, a a saying you say to yourself over and over? I don't necessarily have a mantra. I mean, your one there is actually really good. I, I think that, you know, the water's not something to fight. Um, it's something to be, try be one with and, and to really just glide through it. And, and um, you know, I, I always adjust my stroke with with the waves, you know, to, to try and make it as effortless as possible. Um, I don't think I have a mantra per se. I mean, the usual tricks like the the old positive self mental talk and and whatnot. But um, yeah, I, I I wouldn't say so. But uh, I I definitely think there's there's value in it though, and um, just reaffirming things. Uh, one of the ones I used though, what um, with Rotnest was when things were getting quite tough. I I usually try to, it's not a mantra, but um, I'll always try to think of the why. Why am I doing this? Uh, and for me, you know, with, with these Ocean 7 swims or with Rotnest, you know, the, the why was related to raising money for charity and, and trying to use swimming as a vehicle to to get the word out there for important causes. So. You know, when things are tough, that's always a good go-to for me to to remind myself, right? This isn't just about me. This is something for something bigger. Mm. Um, and I think it's the same reason why. You know, if you look at these marathon runners who are hitting the wall or, or at breaking point, and you know, they they think of their family who they're running for, or you know, the guys that get up for relay teams on the last day of the Olympic schedule, for example, there's something more at stake and they're always able to just squeeze that little bit more out of themselves and give it their all um, for for something bigger. So mm. that's that's probably the, the closest thing I have to, yeah. to a mantra. If, if you could be like omnipotent, and create your ideal swim. I mean, maybe it's maybe it's Rotnest because that does sound pretty idyllic. Or maybe it's that three k, that three k you swam in the mornings during COVID. Is there a, you know, is there a is there a picture you can paint for us that would be your your ideal swim? It might be your next Ocean Seven. I don't know. <laughs> I think it's it's hard to beat those swims in the morning uh, along the coast of of Western Australia. I think when the water's so pristine. 
Um, and you've got this lovely, lovely hue of the sun coming up. Uh, it's, it's, it's just pretty hard to beat. Um, there's been a couple of times we've swam out there and we've been joined by uh, sort of sea life, not not of the, the dangerous sort, <laughs> but, but, but friendly creatures. And yeah, it's, it's just this reminder that you're out in nature. I think we need that as as a, as a species, uh, human beings. You know, I think we we spend so much time cooked up inside in front of computer screens and and so forth that you know we we forget what it's like to be outside and 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 to be at one with our surroundings and environment. So for me, yeah, I swim along so the western nice. coast of Australia just. It, it hits. It serves up everything. It hits the spot, and it's a real connector back to to nature. You're obviously in no rush to move back to Scotland. Oh, I mean, <laughs> it's, it's a different thing. I, I, I obviously, I, I love, I love Scotland. I love being Scottish. It, it is and will always be home for me. Um, I think my ideal scenario would be to do part of the year here, part of the year back in the UK if I could structure my way structure structure my life in that way in in the future that's that would be the dream mm. because um I do I do love the people in the UK and uh, in Scotland and uh you know a lot, a lot of my family are there so um yeah it's it's still it's just a, it's still a special time. it's still yeah it holds a special place in my heart so amazing I'll I'll, I'll be back at some point Lovely. That's and that that's a lovely segue into my final question, which was, and this this might be really obvious because it might might be your your cook swim. I don't know, but where was your last swim and how was it? <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, I mean, if we're talking big marathon swims, it, it would have been the Cook Strait over in New Zealand, which um, was a really special swim, um, but I think made even more special by the opportunity to meet the people uh, of the Wellington swimming community along the way. There's a real special group of swimmers out there, really friendly, welcoming, uh, made me feel at home because I, I traveled there on my own. So, um, but in that time there, I, I never felt alone. So uh, that was, that was a real highlight for me and, and probably one of the best swimming experiences or, or trips of my life so nice um and then when when i last trade swam was just training it this morning so <laughs> it's uh arrived back in perth last night and uh back into the swing of things uh back into training to get ready for the next channel uh channel which is the the molokai channel over in hawaii so that's uh got to get back into and when are you and when are you doing to work for that so um that will be mid-April. Mid-April. So wow. The window, the window's the eleventh to the nineteenth. So, yeah, quite excited about that one. Um, do you train? Do you train differently for each? Do you, do you train any differently for each swim in terms of like volume and uh, and and intervals? Is there anything? I mean, obviously, temperature perhaps might might be a factor when you know when you need some colder swims. But is there anything in your head that you that you and your team change based on based on the swims 
I think from a from a fitness point of view, the 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 training is quite similar. Uh, what what you just raised there with temperature, that's probably the biggest difference. Uh, so obviously with things like the North Channel or the Cook Strait, which were sort of 14 degrees, that becomes a part of the training, uh, acclimatizing to the cold. Um, so we were doing things like ice baths and swimming out in the, the Swan River during the winter where the temperatures were getting down to that. So yeah, the, the, the type of training changed up a little bit there. Obviously with the, the one over in Hawaii, we're, we're facing the opposite end of the spectrum and the temps are probably going to be around 25, maybe a bit more. So um, I might just jump into the fun pool and do some <laughs> No, <laughs> I'm not too sure. I'm not too sure how we'll, we'll approach it. I, I think that, that that's a conversation I, I actually need to have with my coach. I think base level fitness is good. We, we probably just need to adjust a few things and, you know, with that one being the longest of the Ocean Sevens, maybe just uh, incorporate a few more longer swims into the program or do things to replicate the fatigue that we might feel in the, the latter stages of that one. But I think the biggest the biggest differing thing outside of the training will be the nutrition. So that's a conversation, again, I, I need to sit down with my uh, nutritionist and, and devise Christy. a strategy for that. Big shout yeah, out to Christy. Christy. Yep, that's it. Christy Robson. Yeah, she's mine as well. <laughs> oh, fantastic. Yeah, yeah, yeah there yeah. you go. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Learning. Oh, Learning. She's... she's great. I'm learning a lot. Yes. <laughs> oh, brilliant. Well, Andy, that's a lovely, that's a lovely way to finish finish the podcast. And I wish you all the luck in the world on on your next swims. And if you're ever if you ever find yourself back in the UK, come and come and have a swim down in Sea Lanes, our new 50 meter pool on opening on the beach very shortly. Uh, and uh, oh. and and we'll and, and we'll and we'll look after you. I won't be able to keep up with you, but we'll certainly look after you. Oh, that that sounds like a, a great idea. You know, I'd I'd, I'd love that, and um, uh, I'll let you know. Yeah, but, for uh, sure. I'll take I'll I'll take Hang you up, up on that. That's that's when it's opening at the beginning of May, I think. So we're all really excited. Oh. Perfect timing. Thank you, Andy, for that chat, and I really hope we can meet in person and have a swim at Sea Lanes. I would I would really love that. Uh, and I wish you all the best on the rest of your Ocean 7 swims. I'm sure you're going to smash it. Thank you again for listening, everyone. And of course, I'll be back next week with the final episode in Season 3, where I will also be telling you what is planned for the next instalment of the podcast. So be sure to tune in then. Happy swimming, one and all.